Father, we need you. There's just there's no way we're going to be able to do what we would want to have done today unless you do it. And I, want to, I would just want to say thank you, Father, for what we've already seen you doing. Just for me, the sight of these college students pouring their hearts out in praise to my God. Father, what an awesome scene. Lord, would you please embed that in our hearts? Would you please let us remember that? Uh, Father, would you please let us remember that? And that all is not lost. Our God is doing a a powerful work. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and understand what we're going to be seeing in the word of God today. Please teach us. You are our teacher. Please teach us the word today. Father, change us and transform us into the image of Christ as we behold his truth in the word. Father, I pray not only for ourselves, but all of the churches in this community that are teaching the gospel of Jesus and power their pastors to proclaim the word of God without shame and with boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Prepare your people to go out into this community on mission. Father, I thank you for Mike Hoffman and his ministry in this county. Lord, would you encourage him today? Would he be encouraged today? Lord, I pray that you would fight any discouragement that he may have in his heart. Um, any of that part of him that would so want to be able to measure his success and knowing we cannot measure the most important things. Father, I pray you give him peace and rest and power today and continue to lead him to coordinate the churches for the mission of Christ in this community. Lord, be exalted in us as we, as we come to you in your word and I ask all of these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7. We're going to continue our study of Revelation. And isn't it a cool coincidence where we find ourselves this morning um, in Revelation 7? This wasn't strategic. This is just how the Holy Spirit laid out this service uh, and this timing for our month of mission, our, our mission conference kickoff this morning. That We're going to be in Revelation 7 and we're going to look more closely um, within the text that we studied last week. Last week we looked at chapters 6 and 7. We're going to narrow in on verses 9 through 12 this morning. That's Revelation chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a paperback Bible there in front of you. Use that. If you don't own a Bible, take that. That's our gift to you. We want everyone in this place to leave with a copy of God's word for themselves. Um, Before we read this text, I just want to let you know that um, a couple weeks ago, my son came up to me and he shared with me what he wants for his birthday, um, which is not a surprise that a 10-year-old boy knows what he wants for his birthday, even though his birthday's not until September. He already has it all picked out. Uh, my 10-year-old son wants stock, as in the stock market. He, he, he wants his dad to buy him shares of stock. At 10 years old, he made a wall chart and hung it on his bedroom wall so that he could potentially track the stock that he would get. And I know kids grow up fast, but looking at the stock market at 10 is a little ahead of the curve in my opinion. Maybe I'm, I don't know, just a concerned or proud dad. But at any rate, he's asking me about stock. We've got all these conversations going on and I'm trying to tell him a little bit about how it works and to tell you the truth, I know very little about the stock market, but I was trying to explain to him, and one of the things that I was trying to really impress on him is this element of risk. Anytime that you invest in the stock market, there, there's no real guarantee of whether or not you're choosing a stock that will ultimately be successful and make you money. And the conversation that he and I were having um, just made me think how great it would be if we could somehow look into the future 
just have a glimpse into the future so we could know whether or not we're making a good investment. I mean, what if you had the ability, somehow you got a glimpse into the future and you could see and you could know on the front end of your investment whether or not it was gonna be a hit in the long run, whether or not it was gonna succeed in the very end. For instance, I read somebody's calculations concerning the stock for Coca-Cola. This individual wrote that in 1919, Coca-Cola hit public trading. So you could buy their stock uh, beginning in 1919. And if you would have purchased one share of Coca-Cola stock in 1919, and you never added any more of your personal money onto that, but you just reinvested whatever you gained into that stock, today you would have $5 million worth of Coca-Cola stock. You would make $150,000 a year just on the dividends. Don't you wish you could look into the future and see how it was gonna go? Uh, um, Here's the deal. In a way, that's what our text is this morning. In a way, in a very real way, Revelation 7 is a glimpse into the future. It's a scene in heaven around the throne of God at the end of this world. And it's the culmination of everything that God was doing throughout the course of human history. Everything that he was accomplishing on this earth from an eternal heavenly perspective. One of the key phrases in this book is the phrase, things that must take place. That's how John describes his vision, a vision of things that must take place. And so what John is giving us in Revelation 7 is what he's given us in the rest of this book, a vision of things that must take place. This is a a vision, a glimpse of what will happen, not what could happen, not what might happen, what will happen. So we're looking at this scene of something that's guaranteed to take place, a glimpse into future events. And let's read Revelation 7, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 12. Verse 9, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Yes, we agree. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for us today. How absolutely incredible is that scene? Okay, I think that scene is absolutely incredible. Now you're just jumping on the bandwagon. Around the throne of God stands a multitude of people who once lived on this earth, who surround us every day, who are in the nations right now, a group of people who lived on this earth. And last week we saw this group of people who once lived on earth, and now they're before the throne. These are the ones who've been sealed by the power of God and washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's another way of saying these are the people who during their time on earth encountered the good news of who Jesus is, their Lord and Savior. They encountered the reality. He died so that he could pay the penalty for their sin, give his life 
life for them so that he could live his life through them. They embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior during their life on this earth. These people surround the throne and they make up a multitude, a gathering of people that no one, it says no one could number. When I think about big crowds, I think about the scenes I've seen, for instance, in like gatherings at the Central Park in New York. I don't know how many of you remember or have seen the pictures of the the free concert that Simon and Garfunkel held in 1981. And by the way, if your children don't know who Simon and Garfunkel are, shame on you. But anyhow, uh, they held this free concert. The pictures of that day are just incredible. Everywhere you look, the sea of people, the estimates are about 500,000 people. No one knows the true number, but as far as you can see, there are people just placed into every possible space there. Well, this multitude in heaven is bigger than that. It's bigger than that. No one could number everywhere you see in heaven. There are people. And these people, verse nine, are made up. It says, verse nine, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. So, so right now we get the concept of, of nation. There are about 900, or nine, man, I'm really blowing that number. 194 recognized nations on the face of the earth today. There's Mexico, Malaysia, there's China, there's Chile, there's all of those things. We understand the concept of nations. But that isn't the only thing that this, this verse is talking about. That word nations there in, in verse nine is referring to a, a term called ethnos. It's the, it's the term we get ethnicity from. It's more than just recognized nations. It's groups of people. And there are three other words that help us understand what these groups of people are. Uh, Tribes, it says, peoples, and languages. There there are large groups of people within nations that are, are, are bound together because they share a common ancestry. They have a common culture. They have a common language. Modern mission agencies have adopted the term people group to refer to that. That's what this chapter is referring to. That's what this verse is referring to. These are people groups around the throne. For instance, we have worked for the last five, six years among a people group in Guatemala known as the Kekchi. And the Kekchi are the indigenous people of Guatemala. They live within the nation, the recognized nation of Guatemala, but they are a different, separate people group than the rest of the Guatemalans. They are descended from the Mayans, not the Spanish. They have their own culture. They have their own language. We've been planting churches within Kekchi villages over the last five or six years. It's been awesome. It's a people group that's to themselves or, or that are part of their group. And Revelation 7 is showing us that people groups, tribes, tongues, nations from every place on earth will gather around the throne of God. Right now, now think about this. Right now, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention as a church. Our International Mission Board recognizes there are approximately 11,940 people groups that have been identified on earth today. And Revelation 7 is showing us that individuals, people, from all 11,940 people groups will one day gather around the throne of God in praise to the Lamb because they heard the gospel of Jesus during their lifetime on earth and they responded in faith and trust to Jesus Christ who's the Lamb and Savior and the one who was slain for their sin and they will rejoice and they will praise forever the work of the one who sits on the throne and the Lamb and we will join those people from all of those people groups and forever we will praise the name of Jesus 
Now you're starting to get it. Now let's just keep on moving, okay? And you know what that is? That's something that must take place, okay? We just saw it. I really believe John saw me there. Around that throne in that sea of people, that's a glimpse into the future. So, so listen, if you have ever wondered what God is doing in the world today, if you've ever sort of thought, as you've watched the news and thought, what is going on? What's God doing? What does God want to happen? This is it. This is what God's doing. This is the mission of God on earth. God is using his power. He's pouring out his power in his resources to draw men, women, and children from all people groups on earth to worship him as they encounter the truth and the mercy of Jesus. That's what God is doing in the world today. That's what he's been doing in the world all along. That is what God is going to do until the mission is accomplished that's the theme of the bible that's the big picture and there are a ton of passages we could go to but i want to just show you a couple that i think are integral for our understanding go to matthew chapter 16 matthew 16 and in matthew 16 jesus is training his followers for what he has in store for them and he, he's letting them in. And Matthew is about the kingdom coming to earth. It's about Jesus revealing himself as king. And, and Jesus is showing these individuals over time, sort of seems kind of slow and incremental, his plan, his purpose, and how the kingdom works. And in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus is having a conversation. And, and we're gonna pick up here in, in verse 15. And he's talking to his followers here. He says in Matthew 16, 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter. You're, you're the small stone, the little pebble. You are Peter. That's what Peter's name means. And on this rock, this large granite boulder, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to see this here. Now follow me. Jesus asks his followers, who do you guys think I am? Peter responds by saying this confession of who he believes Jesus to be. You're the Christ. You're the son of God, which is right on. Jesus says, hey, Peter, here's how you understand that. The father has opened your eyes to see who I am, to understand who I am, to respond to who I am. So God the father is doing a work in Peter so that he'll understand and believe the truth about Jesus. And then Jesus turns to Peter and says, I want you to know something on the basis of what you've just said on the basis of this confession of who I really am this understanding of who I really am I am going to do a work I am going to do something I'm going to accomplish something the father's doing a work in you Peter the father's doing a work in people like you he's going to open their eyes so they can see the truth of who I am and understand the reality of me and on that truth and in that reality Jesus says I'm going to do a work that accompanies that work of the father and the work Jesus says is this I will build my church I absolutely love that verse I will build my church church Jesus is building his church 
The, the word church comes from the word ecclesia. It's a, a term that's thrown around a lot in Christian circles. And it just means a group of people that have been called out for a particular purpose. It's sort of like what would happen in, in my house with the, the, the five boys that my mom and dad have when one of us did something and my dad would yell out, boys. Uh, he had this way of saying boys. He never said our name. Generally just not boys, boys. Uh, and, and then we would all stop what we were doing and knew we'd better get to wherever dad's calling from or very far away. You know, it's one of those things. So we would gather there in that room, usually with the purpose of dad conducting business with his sons. Um, it's sort of like that. It's, it's a gathering of people who've been called out from where they are, they are and what they're doing for a particular uh, purpose, for, for a reason. And, and that's what Jesus says. He says, you wanna know what I'm doing, Peter? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm taking the confession of who I am, the knowledge, the truth of who I am that the Father will give those in this world and I'm building a gathering of people who've been called out from wherever they were, from whatever they were doing for a particular purpose. That's what Jesus is doing. He's building his church. He's calling people out from all over the place. And what we see in Revelation 7 is that people who'd been called out from all over this earth were gathering ultimately around the throne of God for the purpose of worshiping him and enjoying him. What we're seeing is Jesus built his church. The father accomplished his mission. Jesus is saying to Peter, I want you to know on the front end, I'm going to do this. It will happen. It cannot fail. My father and me, we're gonna do it and nothing can stop us. Not even the gates of hell itself will be a match for the work that we're doing. It cannot, it will not fail. So again, church, if you wanna know, if you wanna know what Jesus is doing in the world today, this is it. Jesus is building his church. He's, he's building his church on this earth. And on this earth, it's expressed in gatherings like this and in various ways around the world. People who come together out of a community and acknowledge who Jesus is through the grace of the Father given to them in Jesus. And ultimately, we all will be joined with every other person from every other place throughout all of time who've acknowledged who Jesus is. And we will be the called out people of God assembled around the throne in heaven to the praise of the glory grace of our great God. God is doing it. It cannot fail. It will succeed. It's happening. It's happening. Now I want you to go to Matthew 28. Go to Matthew 28. So Jesus, and I'm just trying to put this together. It's hard to preach the whole Bible in one sermon, but we're, we're gonna give this a go. So Jesus has already told us that he's going to uh, he's going to build his assembly of people, his gathering. And, and we, we see it can't fail. It's going to happen. The father and the son are doing a work within all of the people groups on this earth. Now, just weeks after Jesus has been crucified, he, he's, he's accomplished the work on the cross to, to redeem all of the people who would trust in him. At, at just weeks after he's been crucified and he, he rose again and right before he returns to heaven, Jesus sits his followers down again and he gives all of his followers not just information about what he's going to do. This is my mission. This is what I'm going to do. But he calls them into what he's going to do. He gives them a command and the command to all of his disciples is to go and make disciples. Look at Ma Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now this is for all followers of Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is for you. It's a command and it's a command that serves as an invitation and the invitation is into the work that God the Father is accomplishing through Jesus Christ, his son. I want you to notice how Jesus says this. We can't go through all of these things, but Jesus brackets this this command with two amazing promises and comforting truths. Verse 18, he says, I have all authority. I have all authority. I have authority over all powers on this earth. I have authority over all governments and rulers and kings and and law. I have authority over all things in all places. And verse 20 says, in that authority, you need to know this. As you go, I'm going with you. I am with you to the very end of the age. Or I am right here with all of my power, all of my authority, all of my resource, all of my grace, all of my mercy, all of who I am as God. I am here with you until the age of building my church has been completed and all of my people including you are finally home gathered around the throne of God I have all authority and I'm with you as you go with me on this mission of what I'm doing and so let me bring this all together okay Jesus is building a group of people that will be gathered from all the people groups on this earth as his father opens their eyes to the reality of who Jesus is and their hearts to the grace that is found only in him. It's what the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are actively doing in the world today on earth right now. And it cannot fail. It will not fail. It is guaranteed to succeed because the power of God Almighty and the authority of of Jesus Christ the Lamb are poured out behind it and in it and over it and through it and the way God's power will be poured out to accomplish this mission Jesus says in Matthew 28 is through people like us who answer Christ's call to join him in his mission among the nations for the glory of the grace of God to all people. The way that God's gonna do this The way that God is going to accomplish the mission is through people like us. People from all the people groups on earth who have heard the truth about Jesus and their eyes have been made made able to see it and their hearts have been made able to believe it and, and embrace it and they then take up the call of their Lord Jesus and they go with him and he goes with them on this mission and God will pour out his power and authority and his limitless resources into and through those people. And church, I firmly believe that many Christians do not experience the supernatural power of almighty God in our lives because we have failed to align our lives with the global mission of God where the power of God is being poured out we are simply living for other things and we are not aligned with the almighty power of God to accomplish his mission let me just illustrate this Uh, about a week ago it was a week ago yesterday actually Emily and I decided that we were going to build a raised vegetable garden in our backyard. So we think, okay, this is going to be a great thing for our kids. Parents, you ever feel that way? Like, man, our kids are going to love this. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure they do. Uh, 
So we all got it gathered in our minivan. We drove to Home Depot. We loaded up 24 bags of garden soil and composted manure. Sounds great, right? About 900 pounds of dirt and cow manure in the back of our minivan. We had a bunch of lumber, vegetable plants, a banana plant, two bags of charcoal because it was on sale. Who needs an F-150? Who needs, a, who needs a truck? I got a minivan and we're just begging, God, Lord, do not let this thing explode over every single bump. It just was loaded down. The people out front of, of Home Depot were like, those people are crazy. Anyhow, so there was, we get home, all kinds of digging we had to do, carrying all of those bags back to the backyard. And we, we invited the kids, you guys, let's do this together. So the kids were invited to join in and you know they had varying degrees of fun. But one of the cool things is we had to build those beds and there were power tools involved man power tools guys and I'm like I'm do I've got these drills I'm like guys look at these 18 volts lithium ion come on join with us here was the deal though is the kids couldn't use the power tools on their own I, I, I may be stupid enough to load a thousand pounds of, uh, of dirt and, and cow manure in my van, but not, not enough to give my kids power tools so the deal was this if you want to use the power tools you've got to be with dad Right, we're going to build this together. We invited them in. And, and here's what happened. As Emily and I are, are working hard to build this, this garden bed, and at various times throughout the project, I look up and I have one or two or sometimes three kids playing on the swing set, on the swings, going down, dancing literally around our yard, singing songs about manure which is awesome for our, by the way, isn't it a blessing that sewer and manure rhyme so you can make up a great song that's thematically correct? Anyhow, so there the kids are. They were invited to join us, right? Let's come on in, let's do this. There were power tools involved. What more do I need to say? However, you didn't experience the power tools unless you joined dad in the project. And that's a similar dynamic, not totally the same, but a similar dynamic to the Christian life. Brothers and sisters, the power of God is flowing out in miraculous ways on this earth today. Miracles still occur in amazing ways. And do you know the people who get the front row seat to see them most clearly? You know who those people are? They're the people who take up the call of Jesus to join him and the Father in their work to reach the nations in this earth, the people groups among those nations with the gospel of Jesus. So do you want your life to matter? Do you want to live with eternal significance? Do you want to invest your life and your resources into something that is absolutely guaranteed to succeed, that you can know only on the front end, this is going to pay off big time. Do you want to experience the miraculous power and authority of God flowing in and through your life? Then listen, invest yourself. Your energy, your time, your money, your family, your dreams into something that is certain to succeed. Actively join the mission of God on this earth. Align your life and your family and your future and your present with the work of Jesus among the nations of this earth because God is doing something today. And he's inviting you into it. He is drawing men, women, and children from all the people groups to worship him as they encounter the truth and mercy of Jesus through the lives of people who are declaring it to them because they have already encountered the truth and mercy of Jesus. Church, it's an investment that cannot fail.
and you're invited along. You're commanded to be a part of this. And before we, before we go this morning, I want to I ask you, would you, would you take out the, the bulletin for this morning's service? Um, it, it's a, a guide for our, our mission conference weekend. There, there are some details, that, and I'm going to ask you to pray over this before we leave today. And here's, here's how your pastors are, are praying and asking you to consider being a part of the global mission of God and obeying the command of Jesus and aligning your life with what, what Christ is doing in the nations. The, the first there is, will you consider going? Will you pray? Will you pray about going as a career missionary to the nations? Will you ask God with an honest heart if he wants you to go? Particularly, would you ask if he wants you to go to a group of people that have yet to be reached with the gospel. Let me just tell you about a couple of those. The Sheikh people are a people group in Bangladesh. There are 127 million people in that people group. Statistically speaking, 0.00% of that population professes faith in Jesus Christ. 127 million people. The Brahmin are people in India. They have over 60 million people in that people group. Statistically speaking, 0.00% of those people are known to be followers of Jesus Christ. There are the Turks, the Banya, the Pashtun, the Kumar, all of these people. Of the 11,940 identified people groups, over 6,500 people groups are considered unreached with the gospel. Of those unreached with the gospel, 30 or over 3,000 are considered unengaged. That means there is no known evangelical church planting strategy going on in there. We don't know of anyone who is actively seeking to reach them with the gospel of Jesus. And church, I want to ask you this. Are you willing to ask the Father today, Father, do you want me to go? Do you want me and my wife or my children, do you, do you want us to go and spend our career among a people group? Because here's what you want to know. Here's what you need to know. God is going to reach them. God is going to do it. He's already doing more than we know. We know that. He's doing more than we know. And he's calling us to join him in what he's already doing. Is he calling you? Will you pray? Are you at least willing? Are you willing to go? If he says yes. My prayers this morning, all of us would say, Father, if you would want me to spend my career, my retirement, my college, if you want me to spend my life, I will go and leave this comfortable place and spend it among the nations because I believe your glory and your gospel are with it. Will you serve? That's the next part of the commitment card that we'll be giving out next week. Will you serve by going on a short-term mission trip? We want to keep rolling more and more of these out throughout this year and each subsequent year. And we want to support people who are spending their their careers, their lives on the ground. We want to support them by going to them and being a resource for them. Will you consider going, being a part of a short-term mission trip? Will you send by being part of a missionary care team? If you check that box, we can get in touch with you and let you be a part of a mission care team. We have several of those already who keep touch with our missionaries throughout the year and make sure they're cared for, they're loved, that we are knowing how we can pray for them, how we can follow up with resources they may need. Maybe God's calling you to stand on the other 
side and hold up the rope for them as they're in another culture? Are you willing to pray regularly for missionaries? Moms, dads, how are you exposing your children to the people groups of this earth? Are you willing to take some of the resources? Out in our foyer, we have all kinds of resources about how you can pray for the gospel work among the nations. Are you willing to grab those and use them in your home? Pray over your dinners once a week for a people group that has yet to be reached. There are 3,000 unengaged. Will you pray that someone would go to them? Are you willing to give? To send missionaries by giving extravagantly. Either a one-time gift or through our mission offering this month. Next week, we're gonna start giving commitments about how we're feeling called to give generously. How are you willing to give? Let me just give you some numbers. The average television bill in the American family is $1,000 a year. The average American family spends about $2,500 a year eating out. The average American family spends about $4,000 a year on vacation. The average car payment for the average American family is $5,400 a year. Here's what that means. The average American family spends about $13,000 a year sending themselves on vacation, sending themselves to a nice place to eat, sending themselves down the road in style, and sending themselves into a coma in front of their television. $13,000 a year. And that is 10 times more than the average Protestant Christian invests in general giving to their local church. 10 times more on just those four areas. The average American family spends $1,600 a year on their dog. That is is well over what the average church-going American gives to the mission of Christ to their local church. How's God calling you to align your money as an investment among the kingdoms? We could send more and more and more missionaries who are already willing and ready to go if the people in this nation would extravagantly give to send them. How's God calling you to be a part of that? Church, will you go? Will you send Will you serve? Will you align your life with the mission of Jesus Christ? I'm gonna ask you if you would, just bow your heads. I want to just have a moment of prayer. God is calling you into something that cannot fail. He's calling you to align your life with something guaranteed to succeed. Would you ask him right now to make it clear to your heart what he's calling you to do in his global mission among the nations. Will you pray right now that men and women and boys and girls in this room right now would yield, your, yield their lives and their, their futures, their dreams to go as career missionaries? Would you, would you ask the Father to stir your heart and how he's calling you to engage in a short-term trip or to engage in a missionary care team or, or to pray more intentionally for the work of the gospel among the nations. Will you ask the Father to press into your heart how he's calling you to align your, your living, your giving, your spending in a way that shows you value the mission of God in your life? How will you give to the global mission of Christ in the coming year? Father, 
I pray that we would be men, women, and children whose hearts beat fast when we think about what is taking place around us and what will be accomplished on this earth. That we would be so aligned with the mission of God among the nations to declare the gospel to people who have yet to hear. That, that our hearts would be fast, we'd be invigorated at the thought that we would be used to accomplish this great kingdom purpose that you are accomplishing. God, make us those kind of people. Father, cause us to be invested deeply as families, as couples, as college students and single adults and retirees. Lord, help us to be invested deeply into the global mission of Christ. That, that an, an outside observer would say that's someone who deeply values the message of Jesus going to the ends of the earth. Lord, do that work in us, I pray. Cause us to be stirred. Father, cause us to be stirred and how you're calling us to align our lives with the mission of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We need you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.